Well, listen, it's uh, the most wonderful time of the year. We're in that season where we get to celebrate when heaven came to earth, when uh, there was a connection that was made between God and man that was going to revolutionize the way that people looked at life. And today I'm excited to be able to bring you uh, a message that kind of has two parts. The first uh, part of my message today, we're going to talk about the greatest miracle of all mankind. And then we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about how you can embrace that miracle and not allow the Scrooge spirit to enter in to your time of the holidays. And so we're really thankful that uh, God has given us the ability to stay strong and to stay excited and to stay looking forward to the things ahead as opposed to looking into the things that are in our past. And so today, I just want to begin with prayer. Father, we thank and praise you in Jesus' name. I thank you for your word. It's a, a, a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. I thank you, God, for the inspiration and encouragement that it brings. And I pray today that we would be able to see that inspiration, that even in uh, our darkest hours, even in our most challenging times, your word builds a foundation in us that allows us to see things from your perspective, a heavenly perspective, that our hearts are brought into a place to where we know that we can be secure because our security comes from you. And we know, Father, this day, that if God be for us, who could be against us? And we thank you that we began to see that revolution take place in the earth when Jesus came, even as a baby. And today, Lord, we just thank you for this time of the year. As I said before, it's the most wonderful time of the year in so many ways. And today we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've said many times that uh, the greatest miracle that transpires in life really is not uh, a broken finger being healed or a broken heart being healed or some sort of physical manifestation of healing in the body. No, I believe the greatest miracle that ever occurs in the life of a person is when your spirit connects with the spirit of the Lord and together you make that connection that begins a journey to start a destiny that God has in store for your life. It begins a whole different way to see life when we begin to see life through the lenses and the perspective of everything that's told and taught to us through God's word. Today I want to look at just two scriptures, which is kind of odd for me, uh, two passages of scripture. You know, if you hear me preach before, there's usually 10 or 12 different scripture texts. But today I want to focus on just two scripture texts. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I want to begin to talk about the greatest miracle for all of mankind and show some of those perspectives of how that relates to you and I today. Why would I do that? Because, see, if we don't begin to grasp the idea that these things that happen in life supernaturally to us and for us aren't uh, the things that anchor us, then we need to know that not only is God with us, but he is also looking forward for us. That God is, is showing us 
a pathway of, of how he would want to take us. You know, it's easy to uh, develop a pathway that the world would like us to go on, but we, we know that there's just no fulfillment in that. But the pathway that God has set out from this time in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, is a pathway that we can all embrace and find great joy and excitement in. So the Bible begins in uh, Luke 1, 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The six-month recognition there is that uh, Elizabeth, um, Mary's cousin, was uh, pregnant with John the Baptist at this time. And so in the sixth month of that, the angel Gabriel came, sent by God to a city named uh, in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, everybody say that with me. And behold... You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34 says this, And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I don't even know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for who, for her who was called barren. I'm not going to spend time talking about how God changes barrenness to life, but this is an incredible example of just that very thing. Elizabeth's life was what one time barren, but now she's carrying the forerunner for Christ. This is what God does in our lives. He can, in an instant, change our whole situation, even barrenness. And not only bring forth life through that, but he can bring forth a life that's meant to have a purpose and a destiny and a direction and even a life that can change the course for all of mankind. And see, we need to believe that that's what God is doing in all of us, that his best is with us. And so she was called barren, but she's barren no more. Why? Because in verse 37, it clears the the air. it, it shows us what's actually transpiring. Verse 37 says, For with God nothing will be impossible. There's uh, something that's being birthed here in these things that are taking place, and it's uh, something that was conceived and something that is, can be born inside each of our hearts. And we're going to see that in a moment. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord... Let it, be according to, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
There's four things that I want you to see quickly from this text that I hope will enable you to be able to not just embrace this season, but uh, to grab the encouragement that is meant in this time and this uh, uh, encounter with Christ here that will change your life forever. First thing I want you to see, four supernatural things that took place here. The first supernatural thing is in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent by God to a city of Galilee uh, named Nazareth. You know, there's certain things that come to us that are supernatural con connections. And this is a supernatural connection that God was making with the earth. When God makes a supernatural connection in the earth, that supernatural connection comes to you and you and you and me. And those connectors are always through people for the purposes that God has in store for our lives. When we think about Christmas, that idea that can come alive, that God wants to connect with me, that the God of heaven knows my address. See, he specifically sent this angel to a, a city in Galilee named Nazareth. There was a specific place and a specific purpose. See, that's what supernatural connection begins. God comes and, and, and from a heavenly dimension, and comes to us on earth, connecting with us exactly where we are. And it begins with this supernatural connection. The next thing that I want to talk about is supernatural favor. And in verse 30, it said, Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. See, something incredibly big was about to happen in Mary's life. She was already being touched by an angel, to use a euphemism from a, 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 an old-time show that we used to watch. But this is what was happening. A supernatural connection from a supernatural entity was coming in her life, and it must have been somewhat overwhelming to have and receive this type of connection. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Because uh, you have found favor with God. There's a grace that comes from God when he connects with us as individuals on the earth that opens up a pathway. We always say when God does something great in our family, we say two words, God's favor. And that's what happens. When God connects with us in an earthly sense, you know something good is going to come out of that. And what that good is, is his favor in our life. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we have or don't possess, all of those things are moved to the wayside. Here's a teenage girl that God was coming to, making this supernatural connection to. And he was saying, Mary, you are going to have such great favor. And this favor that I brought to you is going to enable you to carry the Savior of the entire world. That's what happens when God connects to us in a human sense. Something comes about, and it's called his favor. In verse 31, the Bible says, and behold. Anytime the, the word starts with, and therefore, or, you know, the, and behold, you know there's something that's incredible that's going to come about from that connector. And so it says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and, and uh, shall call his name Jesus. See, when something from heaven comes from earth and man connects with it, there's a conception that takes place. 
There's something that's being birthed inside the hearts of all mankind when we connect with those things from heaven. And sometimes when that, that thing that is birthed inside of us is something that we're going to carry from a supernatural dimension into a natural place to where God is going to do something. Mary's connector was Jesus, and Jesus inside of her was being birthed, and he was going to change the entire world. See, God is looking for men and women who he can come and touch and do something supernatural in so that when that supernatural touch comes upon your life, something is being conceived that is going to change mankind. It's going to change people's focus, change their direction. It's going to enable you to have a power to have a ministry to do something incredible for the king of kings. Remember, it starts with a supernatural connection. We have to understand that when we connect with God in that way, there comes a supernatural favor in our lives. And then something begins to be conceived. And in that conception, we know that that connector from heaven is going to touch mankind in a special way. The fourth thing that I want you to see that's supernatural in this is uh, I would like to just say supernatural possibilities. How do supernatural possibilities come into our life? Well, in verse 37, we see this. It says, for with God, nothing is impossible. So Mary took that concept and those words, and then in verse 38, she began to make the, the supernatural connection, the idea of her supernatural favor, the, I, uh, the, the concept of something being conceived in her to the place where it was going to carry supernatural possibilities. And those possibilities were going to change the world. And in verse 38, here's how it happens. Here's how we connect. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. I want you guys to just think for a minute. If God were to touch you, what would your response be? What would, what would you say? Would you say, wow, that's great, God, but I'm so busy right now. Could you come back in a month and maybe present this to me because I have so much going on? Well, you might say that sounds silly, but I know after being in ministry for 30 years that God's came to so many people and, and touched them with a supernatural connection, but yet their answer to that connector has not been, yes, let it be unto me. It's been, I'll try to fit that in when it's convenient for me. But that's not the way that connectors work. And Mary said, let it be unto me that she was saying yes. And that's what we need to just say. When God connects with us, we need to just say yes. And then we, he will do what he needs to do through our lives. And we see that when God connected with the world, we know what it says in John 3, 16. It says, for God uh, so loved the world that he gave. And see, God is a giver. And he's a giver of the connectors. But we have to allow him to connect with us in a special way that allows him to do the special things that he wants to do in the earth. And when I think of Christmas, this is what I think of. 
This is the time to celebrate the connections that have been made in your life. This is the time to celebrate the supernatural side of who God is and what this baby who came to earth meant to each of us. This is the time that we get to reconfirm our yes. This isn't just any time. This is God's time of celebration. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 2, and I want to read a few verses here, and I want to talk about all of the things that discourage us from holding fast to the truths that I just shared with you, and the battles that wage in all of our lives that want to keep us from connecting supernaturally to have the ability to make the change in the world that God has called each of us to. When we look at Matthew chapter 2, beginning in the first verse, it says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And Herod the king heard this, and he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined uh, from them what time and star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Supernatural signs, even in the heavenlies, pointing out this amazing birth of our Savior. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country in another way. Now, I want to just share at this time just a couple things that will help you to not fall in to the Scrooge spirit during this time of the holidays. Or not allow you to become the Grinch and ruin everyone else's holidays uh, that are around, uh, th those people that are around you. See, you know what? We are not called to be the Scrooge. We are not called to be the Grinch. We are called to be the light that shines brightly, that star that, that the, the wise men saw resting above the place where Jesus was, we are to be that light also that allows people to draw near today to where Christ is in their lives. But the truth is, is that there are all kinds of things that attempt to diminish the idea of what Christmas really is and, and, and hinder us from welcoming this time of celebration. 
We live in a society where there's so many different things to do, where there's so much pressure uh, uh, to uh, make a, a living, to gain income, to do the things that uh, allow us to live, that sometimes it's really difficult. It's uh, a time where there can be an extreme busyness. In this time of, of the season that can uh, make adding Christmas and the celebration that much more difficult. I know that my grandson plays basketball and, and there's a multitude of games that we try to rush to and be able to see. Of course, we're not rushing to any games right now because I can't get into the games. But we can still watch those games on television. But it's something we cut out time to do. We say this is important. And there's so many different things that we all do. And sometimes it makes us less than enthusiastic for this time of the season. And uh, we have to understand that uh, whether it's making food for the parties we're going to or uh, maintaining all of the different things that we do in the church, we have to make sure that we're not allowing those things to diminish the purpose and focus for what this season is all about. With that being said, we need to develop a mindset and make a decision to resist and to refuse to allow another spirit, the Scrooge or Grinch spirit, to come into this time of year to wreck our celebrations, to enter our hearts and to allow this spirit to dampen our joy or to uh, reduce our sense of anticipation for who we're celebrating and what God wants to do in and through not only our lives, but for the other ones who our lives are intended to be the light for. We need to understand that we can't allow that Grinch or Scrooge spirit to enter into our lives. When we look at the text that we're uh, studying here in Matthew chapter 2, who was Scrooge and who was the Grinch? Well, we can see that it was Herod. Herod was the original Grinch. And what was his uh, design? What did he want to do? He wanted to eliminate the reason, as we would say, the reason for the season. As a matter of fact, he knew that so much about who this Messiah was through his past studies and through the people that he had around him that he knew that uh, if he didn't succeed in destroying the, the, the Christ child, that there would be a whole different way that life would be lived because he would not be as powerful as he once, once was. You know, Herod was a terrible person in so many ways. But Herod was still aware of what the promise of the Messiah was. And when we look at this text of Scripture, we know that he was the original Grinch who wanted to steal away the things that God had designed for each of us to experience through that uh, time of, of celebration of heaven coming to earth. You know, how do we identify this Grinch spirit, this Scrooge spirit? How do we identify uh, how this thing happens? Well, as I was thinking about this, there's so many things right inside the church 
that we've allowed to come in and be a part of uh, uh, shrinking down the identity of this time of celebration and uh, things that come to try to uh, attempt to kill and steal even what God is trying to do today. I was just thinking uh, uh, out loud to myself this week and saying, what are those things that, that we have even seen? Well, first, so many times we've been taught that this is a pagan holiday, that this is a, a holiday that shouldn't be uh, celebrated because somewhere along the line, something pagan or outside of the idea of the church has tried to marry itself with this celebration. The second thing that we see so often in the church is this, that we've been told that Santa Claus is a picture of Satan. That Santa and Satan, I mean, it's such a picture that they even have the same letters in their name. It's such a picture that Santa Claus even wears a red suit representing the things of hell. And we've been saying, we've been told that we shouldn't celebrate this season because uh, uh, there's a Santa and, and he is uh, a depiction of who Satan is. The third thing that I was talking, uh, thinking about was this, that we've been told that nobody really knows the day that Jesus was born. So it's kind of hypocritical to choose December 25th uh, to uh, celebrate that. But really, it's not about an issue of a day, is it really, folks? It's about uh, an issue of the idea of the celebration. And so we've chose December 25th, and I, I would say to those of you who say, we don't know if it's December 25th, I'll say, okay, then what day is it? Okay, you don't know either. So let's just focus on December 25th. And, and I'll give you an idea of why I think that's a good idea anyway to do that. Some are told we don't celebrate Christmas because it's commercial, and it compromises the truth of the gospel of who Jesus really is. Well, you know, that's right. You can be overwhelmed by the commercial side of, uh, of the holiday. But that's not what God wants us to be. Listen, if you're overwhelmed with the idea that, you know, uh, gifts are expensive and, and you have to do so many gifts, why don't you just do what the wise men did? They brought three gifts to Jesus. And you can just bring three gifts to your children or to those who are around you because God never intended for us to go into debt over Christmas. He intended for us to use a gift to bring life inside of people's lives. How many of you would agree with me that uh, when you receive a gift, there's something that uplifts your spirit? And when that gift is given in the idea of celebrating who Jesus is, the celebration doesn't become about the gift. It becomes about who's giving it in the heart of those people. So why celebrate Christmas at all? Well, I would just say to you this, that it is the most wonderful time of the year. I love Christmas. I'm the guy who most people in the office get a little tired of because in July, I'm turning on my uh, Pandora to the Christmas station and beginning to play Christmas songs in July. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and it, the, the spirit of what's behind Christmas needs to be celebrated in each and every day of our lives. It's a great time of year. 
Christmas is a marvelous chance to touch the world with the love of God. How many times have we heard that one story where somebody touched somebody's life in such a miraculous way through the gift of, of uh, something they needed because they were in desperate and dire need? You don't hear that happening in July or, or August, but you can guarantee you're going to hear some of those testimonies in December around the Christmas time of the year. Uh, it's a time when the love of God is, is brought uh, and shared through those who, who believe in who Christ is. And I believe that uh, it's a season that demands a celebration. And so we as believers, we have to understand that our time of celebration comes in and through the idea of that supernatural connection in us that enables us to connect others to our Savior. I just want to end this message just sharing a few things. What can we do to not allow this Grinch or Scrooge spirit to come in and wreck our celebration? In the first verse of chapter 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod. Number one, we have to refuse to, uh, to let the times depress us. We have to refuse to not allow a pandemic to lead the things of, of what we're going to do to celebrate this year. We have to not allow an election to be that that dampens our spirits to the point to where we can't think about celebrating ahead. In the days of Herod, we know that there was just a, a crazy oppressive government that, uh, over, uh, that stayed over the people oppressing them. We, we know that there were all kinds of things of bad news that were coming in the lives of those people at that time. You know, uh, when you talk about uh, allowing the times to depress you, you know, all you have to do is turn on the evening news and let the first 10 minutes play into your home and those times will come and, and just dampen your heart. They will uh, uh, bring a discouragement to your spirit. But that's not what God has called us to do. The days of dismal influence or the times that we live in, those are just the situations that are around us. But we have a Savior that lives within us. And that Savior is what supersedes bad days. It supersedes uh, governmental rule. It supersedes all of those things because we have to be focused knowing that we are just sojourners through this life. And we can't allow the negativity of the world that we live in to be that which creates in us a desire to uh, uh, bahumbug the days of December. In verse 2 it says, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. The second thing I want you to not allow to happen is that there are just surprises that happen in our life. Some of them happen in December. Some of those happen in different times. We come up against puzzling situations that we don't naturally understand or even spiritually understand. But those things should not be the thing that uh, uh, those things should not be the things that uh, inhibit us from the idea of keeping the heart of Christmas and the purpose of Christmas what it's for. 
See, what's puzzling about this is, is uh, the wise men says, where is he who's been born the king of Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we've came to worship him. They, they were figuring that when they came to this particular place, this time, this location in history, that they would be asking people where this was taking place and that everybody was going to be in a place of wanting to worship him. They were surprised that when they came to this place of saying we wanted to worship him, they thought that they would just join together with all of these other people and they would worship him together. See, everybody was not worshiping him then and not everybody's worshiping him now. But we can't allow those things to, to temper and to uh, uh, downplay the idea of what we're actually worshiping in this day. We have to come and adore him. Come and worship him. Doesn't matter what surprises or circumstances or situations fall in our lives. You know, many people have a bad memory of something that's happened to them personally in December. Something that they didn't expect to happen, an unexpected death or an unexpected job loss or an unexpected illness that has came in the December time frame. And every year when they move into December, that's in the forefront of their mind. But we cannot allow the surprise things that happen to us in our life to end the, uh, the, the, the magnitude of what we're worshiping and who we're worshiping and why we're worshiping him. The third thing that uh, we see is that it's not only one thing to find him, to hear of him, but we need to go to him. And in verse 4, it says, When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, of to, they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler uh, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for him, Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him myself. The one thing that we need to see is that the, when the wise men were asking even the scribes and the different people who, uh, and the priests uh, who had a re religious bent to them, that uh, they knew about the king. They knew about this in, in uh, this uh, situation that would occur on the earth, but when it was actually happening, they were just taking their knowledge, holding on to it, but they weren't going to look for him. And that's what the wise men did. They not only heard about Jesus, but they gathered themselves up. They traveled from a distance. This was an amazing thing that was taking place on the earth. It wasn't just any time of year or any time of history. It was the time of history where Jesus himself was being uh, uh, birthed into the earth to make that supernatural connection with all of mankind. 
And when we uh, just hear about the king and don't go search after him, when we don't make him that integral part of what we're doing, we're being no different than the priests and the scribes of that time. And see, Herod had no design or desire to go see him, to find him, to worship him. But his heart was to go see him and find him and then destroy the idea of what he could do. So it's not just enough to to know about the king. They knew where he would be born. They also knew that there was reason to expect a sign that the star would appear because of what was also prophesied. They knew these things. We know these things as well. And we know that no matter what is happening around us, we cannot just know about the king. We have to go after him. We've got to find him. We've got to make our celebrations reek of who he is and that people would would want to be drawn to those things. We're not just collecting information. No, we're having our hearts changed. And when God changes your heart, things begin to happen in other people's lives. The the next thing that I I, I want you to see is, is that we need to refuse to doubt that God is ready to manifest himself in unlikely places. Let me read that again. We need to refuse to doubt that God is ready to manifest himself in unlikely places. What do I mean by that? See, there's so many people that would look at somebody like me and say, Pastor, you travel the world. I don't doubt that God is going to manifest himself when you go to Honduras or when you're ministering in Guatemala or when you uh, start Bible schools in Burundi or when you uh, do crusades and miraculous things happen and people are healed and multitudes of people get saved. See, they can see that unlikely thing that would happen in me in unlikely places because that's what my life's about. And they, they, they say, I can see that in you, but I can't see that in me. And see, when God moves inside of each of our hearts, he's going to do something that's going to not only touch you, but touch other people around you. And when he touches you and touches other people, it's going to involve unlikely places. Things that we would be surprised where we would find him in. Verse 9 says, When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it stood over where the young child was. This was an unlikely place for them to be able to see. And they departed to go there. The wise men went to Jerusalem, which was nothing but a little burg. And the wise men were told to go to Bethlehem, and that's where they headed off to go, to an unlikely place. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them, you're an unlikely person. You're an unlikely place for God to come in, but he wants to come to that unlikely place. You know, it reminds me of a story in one of our Christmas celebrations several years ago. 
we were gathered in the Bennett family at uh, my sister's house in Centerburg and having a great time of celebration. And in this time of celebration, I was thinking about how amazing God was and the opportunities that he's given me to serve and the people that I've came in contact with. And some of those people are in unlikely places. There used to be a day that myself and my son-in-laws and a, a group, a, a team that I had assembled, that we did a lot of painting downtown. And we were at 140 East Town painting some offices one night, very late. And we came out of that building about 2.30 in the morning in December. And uh, uh, this man was rolled up. There was a man by the front door. He was rolled up in the mats that people wiped their feet on before going into the building. It was extremely cold out that night, and the only thing that he had to keep him warm was the mat that people wiped their feet off on. And so as we were celebrating, there was a spread of food like no other. There was laughter and storytelling and, and all of the things that go along with a great Christmas celebration in a family sense. But in my heart, I kept seeing the man out in front of the building who was rolled up in a mat, an unlikely place for a person to be. And so I just mentioned in the middle of our time together, I shared the story about this man. And I said, I would love to uh, put several plates of food together to take down to him so that he could become an extension of our celebration. That I could load up this food that was cooked uh, with tremendous amount of love and excitement from all of my family members. And we could transport that love and excitement to this guy in an unlikely place downtown rolled up in a mat to keep him warm. And so as I shared that, there was probably 40 or 50 of us because there's never a small, those Bennett's who are watching today, you know our celebrations are never small. And so then one person said, well, Uncle D, if he's cold, then maybe we can find a coat for him. And they went around the house and they, they gathered a coat and they said, Uncle D, if, if he's been sleeping on a dirty mat, then his clothes are probably dirty. What size is he? And I said, about my size. But homeless people usually don't care about sizes. They just care about uh, getting something to keep them warm. So they began to gather jeans and flannel shorts and T-shirts. And they said, Uncle D, that uh, he, he, if, if he's wrapped up in a blanket, his feet must be cold. And out came the wool socks. And, and uh, military guys are prevalent in our family. And out came a, a pair of boots, I think, from Desert Storm. And, and those were being created. And, and, and you know, Uncle D, he needs gloves, Uncle D, he needs hat, Uncle D, he needs, and, and out of the midst of this uh, time of family gathering, that we began to put together a package of things for a person who was in an unlikely place to be able to receive that. And this pile was so big of things that, to give this guy that they had to go and get a military green duffel bag, one of those big duffel bags, and they filled it completely full of all the things that were going to be taken to this unlikely place to touch this person that 
I I didn't know his name then, and I don't know his name now. But I know who does know his name. And his name is Jesus. And he came to earth so that the supernatural connection that he made with with Tammy and I and and was touched by our family was going to touch him. So we went all the way from Centerburg to downtown. It was about 9 o'clock at night. And I thought to myself, Lord, what if this cat's not even here? You know, we've done all this work and maybe he's not even, what am I going to do? Well, the good and bad news was is that he was still there. And we went over and, and tapped him and said, hey, you know, we've got some things for you. God's, you know, really touched our heart for you. And he unrolled himself out of that mat. And in that unlikely place, there was one of the greatest Christmas celebrations that I've ever had the joy to be a part of. He was going through that duffel bag and boots and shoes and socks. No, I can't take this. Pants and flannels and, and uh, long underwear. Oh, I can't receive that. Boots and, and, and all the things. And then three giant plates of food as well for him to enjoy. And I remember him looking at us and saying that I don't even know you. Why would you do this for me? Because that's what the celebration is all about. It's not about the conditions that we're living in. It's not about the things that are going on that we're not happy about. It's not about the things that have uh, taken place in our life that has made December a sad time. No, this is about a supernatural connection that came to earth to give each of us a supernatural favor and grace with God that has enabled us now to have a supernatural destiny and all we had to do to get all of this was to just say yes to the greatest gift that God has ever given to mankind. His name is Jesus, the Father purposed for this gift to be given to all mankind because for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that that whoever should believe in him would not only have life here on earth but would have everlasting life as well. See, it's critical that we don't allow a Grinch or a Scrooge spirit to come upon us to sweep over our souls in this time. This is the time to celebrate. This is the time to be encouraged. This is the time to light things up, to make things bright, to make things exciting, and to make our hearts available for that unlikely ministry that God would use us for during this time of year. So I want to encourage you to change the way you're thinking right now. To not say, wow, I got to make a cheese ball and a, and a dip for the party next week. No, I want you to double the size of the cheese ball and make more dip than you've ever made before because you're going to be the light in that place that you're going to. This is the time that I want you to push away all of those things that have become negative and allow God to use you in an unlikely situation to bring the goodness of his glory to all mankind. Why December 25th? 
Why do we look at that this time of year? Well, let me just say this to you. When you focus on the amazing God that we have the opportunity to serve, when you remember the supernatural connections that he has made in your life. See, it won't just be about a time of celebrating something in December. It will be a time of encouraging you to walk into 2021, uh, standing strong with your shoulders back, a smile on your face, and being prepared for everything that God has in store for our future. You know, we've all heard 2020, the year that we'll never forget, the year that was terrible. Well, I got good news for you. 2020 is about ready to wrap up and 2021 is ahead of us. And our God is the Lord of all of our days and all of our years. So I guarantee you there's going to be something good to look forward to. Shake off those heavy bands, lift up your holy hands, and worship the Lord in all the beauty of his holiness. And I guarantee you that not only are these times going to be behind us, but we're going to get to see that our God was in the midst of them. He never left or forsook us, and that he's going to use these to do something good in his kingdom for somebody who needs us. Well, I just hope today that in this message that you're encouraged to begin to celebrate the season, to begin to uh, be an encouragement to others in this uh, uh, time of our festivities and our gatherings today. So I just want to say to you that uh, uh, this is a time of a Merry Christmas. This is a time that the joy of the Lord should be our strength. God bless you and let me pray for you as we close today. Father, I pray for all of those who in some way, shape, or form has had a memory of December that's not been pleasant for them. I pray that you replace that memory with the idea of who Jesus is and that Jesus, uh, they would understand that Jesus is in the midst of all of their situations, all of their circumstances. Father, I pray today for somebody who is listening, who has never made Jesus Christ their personal Savior. And today I say, what would keep you? What, what would allow you to want to say no to the one who has done so much to draw you unto his self? This is not the hour to say no to Jesus and no to the celebration. This is the time to say yes to the supernatural, and yes, to allow Jesus into your life. So I just want to thank you guys for joining us today. I'm super excited that next week we're going to be together, we're going to be worshiping, and we're going to have a celebration of the Christ in Christmas next Sunday morning here at Redeemer's Church. So God bless you. Have a great day. 